Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. I'm going to ask if you'd stand for the reading of the word, and uh, as you do this, I'm going to let you know. It's John chapter 8. Verses 31 through 58. (laughs) But because I like you, I'm going to have you stand for just the first passage here, okay? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Father, I pray your anointing upon your word, upon our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We'll continue with the rest of that passage as we go along. We've been in a series entitled Reconstructing Your Faith. Deconstruction of faith has become somewhat of a buzzword. Uh, and the concept behind that is that there may be things that have layered up that aren't accurate enough. And so we, we deconstruct. We take those things that, that weren't absolute truth and maybe those things fall away. For some people, though, by the time they're done, there's nothing left and they fall away from the faith entirely. And so there's no problem necessarily with deconstruction in the sense of of analyzing things that were just um, told us or questions that weren't answered. But when it gets to the point where you hit that baseline, somewhere you have to reconstruct, then what is your faith? And we began with the idea of the church being incarnate, in the flesh. There's something about gathering together uh, as a church that is significant. God comes in the flesh in Jesus Christ, and the church needs to meet together. Uh, and there's something that happens when that occurs. And one of the things that happens is that we get offended by one another. So the next week we talked about offenses and how we deal with that. And then the other thing that we're called out as a church to be is holy. Not because holy is all that great, but because God's holy. And so as we draw close to God and his holiness, then that starts to rub off. Certain things in us fall away. Certain things are added to us. And last week, too, we talked about remembrance and what that plays as a role in maintaining and reconstructing our faith and those stones of remembrance. Today, I want to talk to you in regards to the issue of truth matters. To do that, I want to lay out a little bit of something that's been occurring in the world today, and I hope that you'll be able to accept this without staying in this place, but it's a good starting point for us. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. If you haven't heard that by now, then you're under a rock somewhere. Interesting thing, it's probably the most unified that the world has been on a certain perspective in decades of time, Um, so much so that there was a resolution that was supported condemning Russia in the United Nations, and 141 of the 193 nations passed it or or approved of that resolution. 141 of the world's nations agreed on something. And what was interesting is that 35 others, including China and stuff, abstained. So they didn't want to challenge that. So basically they agree, they just don't want to go on record. So you have the vast majority of the world's nations agreeing that something was wrong. The only ones that aligned with Russia against this proposal was Belarus, Eritrea, which is a small section that used to be part of Ethiopia, and 
and North Korea and Syria. If the people that are on your team are North Korea and Syria, you're not doing well for the most part, okay, geopolitically speaking, all right? And here's another interesting thing. So the world agrees that what Russia's done in Ukraine is, is a travesty and is wrong. Um, but here's the thing. Russia and Putin has slapped such a control. All the independent news agencies have been eliminated. There's actually now a 15-year uh, prison sentence if you don't align with the, um, uh, with the state view of what's taking place. And so the information in Russia itself has become extremely limited as to what is actually taking place. Many Russians believe it's just a small little action, that it was required to take place, and that they're the innocents in this and all. And so it's played to this unusuality. You've had multiple cases of individuals in Ukraine that are being shot, bombed, and are seeing what's taking place, talking to relatives of theirs in Russia who only see state on TV and saying, look, we're being bombed, this is what's happening, and their relatives are saying, no, no. No, that's not true. That can't be what's taking place. That's not what's happening. No, we're being greeted with open arms, and, and we're all friends, and it was just a little action just to take care because you've got Nazis in charge and all this type of thing. Imagine talking to your father or your mother, which has happened many times, and say, Mom, Dad, we're being bombed and shot. This is horrible. Oh, no, that's not true, son. That's not true, daughter. One son, he said he was so angry at it that he said he had to catch himself, calm himself down, and then call again and again because he said it's only through these relatives and only through this way that people are going to actually hear the truth and get an understanding of what's taking place. This type of propaganda is something that was referred to in the language of the Third Reich, a book written by a German-Jewish writer, Victor Klemperer. He described the effect of propaganda as blurring reality is blurring reality. I'll give you one other quick thing on here just because I find it amusing. Maybe you won't. Um, Ukraine was attacked on Twitter, uh, uh, and when that happened, the German embassy couldn't stay silent on it. Evidently, there were some in South Africa that had written letters to the embassy, the Russian embassy, um, supporting what they were doing. And so the official Russian government uh, embassy in South Africa put out a tweet saying, we appreciate your support. Glad you decided to stand with us today when Russia, like 80 years ago, is fighting Nazism in Ukraine, because that's the lie, that it's Nazis in control. We have to deal with it like we did 80 years ago, which, just as a sideline, is a ridiculous statement when you realize that Ukraine is the only other country outside of Israel that has a Jewish head of state in Zelensky, who also had relatives who died in the Holocaust. And so it's, a, it's an incredible lie. But the response from the German embassy clapped back on Twitter calling out Russia for, quote, slaughtering innocent children, women, and men of its own, for its own gain, and then said this. It's definitely not, quote, fighting Nazism. German embassy tweeted on Saturday, shame on anyone who's falling for this, then in parentheses. Sadly, this is the German embassy, we're kind of experts on Nazism. <laughs> I just thought that was funny um, and clever. Now, here's another development, though. So this country's cut off from the truth. There, there's a lie being spread, and they're cut off from this. And there's a fine that's paid if you speak out. Despite that, before you go off on Russian people, last week more than 280 priests and deacons of the Russian Orthodox Church called for reconciliation and an immediate end to Russia's ongoing invasion, stressing, quote, the last judgment awaits us all. Quote, we mourn the ordeal to which our brothers and sisters in Ukraine were undeservedly subjected. That's enough for a prison sentence right there. No earthly authority, no doctors, no guards will protect from this judgment. 
Concerned about the salvation of every person who considers himself a child of the Russian Orthodox Church, we do not want him to appear at his judgment, at this judgment, bearing the heavy burden of mother, meaning the mother church's curses. That's an incredible statement to have been made. More than 400 ministers, Russian ministers of evangelical churches in Russia, also signed an open letter against, quote, the invasion of sovereign Ukraine. Quote, our army is conducting a full-scale military operations in another country, drumming bombs and rockets. As believers, we assess what's happening as a grave sin of fratricide, the sin of Cain, who raised his hand against his brother Abel. No political goals or interests can justify the death of innocent people. It goes on and on, but then says this, hatred is being sown between our peoples, which will create an abyss of alienation and enmity for generations to come. The war is destroying not only Ukraine, but also Russia. People, its economy, its morality, its future. That is, again, an incredible statement to be made by individuals who are people of faith, who are taking a stand against their own government and risking what comes into play. So is this a geopolitical statement? No. If you catch me at a later time, I'll sit down with you for hours because I love geopolitics, and we'll discuss that then, all right? But what it is is a lead-in to what I want to talk to you about, about truth mattering. A country who is so isolated by the rest of the world that they believe a series of lies that, that, that that's all they're exposed to. They're isolated, they accept this, and so the blurring of reality is such for them that their eyesight is distorted. There was an individual who made this statement about something called the big lie. This inspired, he says this, all this was inspired by the principle, which is quite true within itself, that in the big lie, there's always a certain force of credibility because the broad masses of a nation are always more easily corrupted in the deeper strata of their emotional nature than consciously or voluntarily. And thus, in the primitive simplicity of their minds, they more readily fall victims to the big lie than the small lie, since they themselves often tell small lies in little matters, but would be ashamed to resort to large-scale falsehoods. Let me continue to read from Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler's article, book. He continues to say, it would never come into their heads to fabricate colossal untruths, and they would not believe others could have the impotence to distort the truth so infamously. Even though the facts which prove this to be so may be brought clearly to their minds, they will still doubt and waver. They will continue to think that there may be some other explanation, because this lie has got to be true. For the grossly impotent lie always leaves traces behind it. In other words, even if they discover some element of truth, there's this residue of the lie. Even after it's been nailed down, a fact which is known to all expert liars in this world and to all who conspire together in the art of lying. And Adolf knew a little bit about that stuff. That is actually like a, a, a page taken right out of Satan's handbook. The idea of the big lie, the idea of, of isolating people and not letting them have any sense of truth to control them for their own purpose so they never understand their destiny or what's really taking place. C.S. Lewis had an agreement with Tolkien one time. Tolkien was going to write a book, a series of books on time travel, and Lewis was going to write a science fiction series because they didn't like what was happening in that area. Tolkien never held up his end. He got caught up with Lord of the Rings and never did that. But Lewis did. He wrote a three-part series um, of a science fiction series. I'm a science fiction fan, and to be honest, it's not his best work. But there's several of the books that, in the books that do portray something interesting. And one of the books is entitled Out of the Silent Planet. And what he positions in this work is that Earth of all reality is separated from the glory of God and from everything else. That, that 
one who was supposed to have been a viceroy for God, a ruler for God of our world, got so corrupted to take it for himself, meaning Satan, that he has now hidden our world from any contact with the rest, has isolated this planet, and, and, and has spread lies and deception to separate us from God. In this sense, is it any different than the illustration that we just talked about or highlighted? And so we sit here and say, well, this is a conversation about Russia and Ukraine. Not really, only in the sense that it's part of what has been going on in this world for a long time. The real thing is to try to convey to you the initial thought here is that we, as a people, are prone to being deceived, to being lied to, that the truth is a difficult thing to come by, that, that these individuals who did stand up for truth against their own national interests, would we do the same? Or have we so wedded the church to the state in this country that we refuse to even recognize when our own country is false and not true on things? Can I even say that without triggering something in you of a reaction? Jesus starts off in this passage, and again, I warn you, it's a lengthy passage. He begins by saying to the people who believed in him, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Then he says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To Jesus, the truth mattered. It was central to what he was trying to convey. Not just the idea of some social construct, which is what we are told today, and social constructs do exist. In fact, you're here at this exact time and place because of a social construct. Do you realize that? In other words, reality didn't change or shift by one hour at 2 a.m. this morning. We just all agreed in a social contract called Daylight Savings Time that we would shift our clocks by an hour. But the world didn't stop spinning, didn't change, so we have this social construct that we all agree upon. But the idea that social constructs alone are, are not, as because they exist, that there is no underlying truth is a ridiculous thing is to say that time doesn't exist just because we socially contracted to change it by an hour. But this is what we're told today, is the social constructs that happen out here. And if you strip those away, there's really no truth at all. But Jesus sits here and says, no, there is a truth. There is a bedrock that exists. Yes, there are social constructs perhaps, but there is a truth that exists. And this, he says, is you need to know what that truth is and it'll set you free conversation goes on. But we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. You say we should be free. What do you mean we'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. I don't want to embarrass you today, but, but how many of you other than myself have never sinned before? <laughs> so I stand alone. I don't stand at all. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In that sense, all of us were slaves. All of us were, if you want to say, in Russia. All of us were in a world of deception and lies. But they're sitting here saying, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been physically slaves. And he's like, you're not following me. I'm talking spiritually here. He says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. And for those of you that want to twitch out on the gender issue, again, I remind you, to be a son was the highest status in that society. And so when he, we're told that you are, male or female, a son, it's not denigrating women. It's raising them up to the level of sonship. All men and women together are raised up to being, being part of the family and one who originally or eventually inherits everything. So if the son, meaning himself, Jesus, sets you free, you are truly free. 
Yes, I realize you're descendants of Abraham. I got it. Yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you're following the advice of your father. And then they sit here and say, our father's Abraham, they declared. No. Genetically, that's true. But spiritually, no. For if you were really the children of Abraham, you'd follow his example. He pursued God. He listened to God. He looked for the truth. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you're imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. And this is a, the second part of a shot they'd taken at him. Earlier in the chapter, they, they said, show us your father, basically. And they're saying, we, we know there's questions about your, um, uh, you know, your origination story and that maybe you were illegitimate. And so show us, what, what about your father? And here they're bringing it back again. It says, we aren't illegitimate children, kind of like you probably were, Jesus. And so they're getting nasty in this conversation. You ever get in a conversation with someone about facts, and it just gets ugly about junk, and you're no longer on the facts anymore? That's usually because they have a weak argument, generally speaking, when it gets personal like that. We aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, You'd love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. It's because you can't even hear me. There are some who are going to walk out of this room here today. This message is going to mean nothing to you. You can't even hear me, let alone him. For you're the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he's a liar and the father of lies. Now, when you say that, you think, yeah, he's the originator. He's the one from which lies come from. That's partially what's being said. But what's really being said is that he's like the father of lies in that he was the original liar. He's the first person in all creation of this earth to have actually offered up a lie. He's a liar in the same way that Alexander, or the father of lies, in the same way that Alexander Graham Bell is the father of the telephone. Or that Steve Jobs is the father of the iPhone. Or that Vito Corleone is the godfather. Actually, he's just a godfather. Forget that one. And so the original father, the original liar, he told the first one ever recorded in history to Eve. And interesting, here's how it began with a question. It wasn't even a flat-out lie. It wasn't even like sitting here saying, this is what it is, this opposite. It starts off just, can you just start to question God? Did he, did he really say that? This is how your deconstruction can start oftentimes. It's, it's just questions being, well, what about this? What about that? And nobody has answers, but, but the fact there's questions, and before long, we begin to question. Satan leads Eve to her death, ultimately through that. Adam and the rest of us and all creation. Lying is the primary weapon that Satan has against us. He uses this tactic of deceit to separate us from our Heavenly Father. Some of the more common lies that he'll offer up is there is no God. Or maybe there is, but God doesn't care about you. Why would he care about you? Or, you know, 
the Bible, that's just kind of a book created by men that can't really be trusted as truth. You know, I mean, even what you're reading here right now about Jesus, is this really true? Or maybe it's like, your good works, those will get you into heaven. All you have to do is work harder and be smarter and, and be kind and all those things, and that alone is going to be good. And because Satan comes, as Paul says, an angel of light, his appearance is such that those arguments sound good and seem reasonable. Some of the arguments in our country today, it's, it's really just about love, isn't it? I mean, should, why would anybody restrict anybody from loving whoever they want to love? Love is okay. Hitler, who I quoted earlier, made the statement, if you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it'll be believed. It'll be believed. The lies and the father of lies. And then he goes on and says, so when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin, Jesus said. And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Why don't you believe him? Well, he was a really good teacher. I mean, uh, no, he's stating here pretty closely that he's related to God. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Then they go for their third shot. People retort, says, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say all along that you're possessed by a demon? Samaritan in this context is kind of like the N-word only with a spiritual twist. It was a racial slur. Samaritan, but it also meant those individuals who weren't real Jewish people. They weren't real worshipers of God. So it was like a racial slur with a spiritual twist to it. It's, it's an ugly statement to have been made. You Samaritan devil. He says, no, I have no demon in me, Jesus says, for I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Do you notice how many times that word's popping up in here? And this is only half of the section of the Scripture. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. People said, now we know you're possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died. So do the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it's my father who will glorify me. You say, he is our God. But you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I'd be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Now, this is going to really mess you up. Because you see here, it's time change Sunday. And, and there's a portion of you that's just somewhere probably about three verses back, just gently drifted off. And here's the deal. We're now down to the last passage of the Scripture, and I gave you so much of a break. You should have been standing for all of this, but I'm now going to ask you to stand for the last one. So if you would. And whoever doesn't stand, that's because they're sleeping. Okay. <laughs> or they have limitations. Just give them grace. Here's the last passage of Scripture. People said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you what, the truth. truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. You can have a seat again for a little while longer. Not long, because we're going to be done in just a short period of time. Okay? At least two people that you sat down next to, after you sat down, they noticed you said, what's going on? 
You're not, you're not even 50. How can you say you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. He's referencing that burning bush where Moses came over and, and God speaks to him out of the bush and, and sends him to Egypt to free the people. And, and he says, who should I say sends me? And he says, just say, I am. He's basically saying that I've always been alive. And they picked up on that real fast. They realized what he was saying. And they reacted to it. And not in a good way. He was trying to break into their, their, their russified mindset. He was trying to break into the world mindset that, that is under the deceptions of this planet, of this world, and try to bring the truth to them. And he's saying over and over the truth, and they couldn't comprehend what he was saying. And these were the spiritual people. These were the ones who, who understood there was a God. And, and still, with God in the flesh, right there, we say, oh, we'd, we would have been so different than them. We're seeing a replay of history right now, and we're being no different than things were back in 1939. History repeats itself. And even with that educational point, we still don't learn from it. John chapter 17 he says, sanctify them by the truth. Jesus' final prayer for the church. Your word, the scripture is truth. Do you believe the lie that the word of God is just made up by, by a bunch of old men who, who just had all, or do you accept that the word of God is unique? Do you realize it's the only book in the world that you can get killed for by taking it into certain places and people have died for that? Nobody does that, okay, with Dr. Seuss's stuff. Nobody does that with any... But the Bible, because it's truth and it has the power to tear down great things and structures. Your word is truth, Jesus said in his final prayer. In Romans chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, is, is a little darker even there. He says, to those who keep doing good, seek glory and honor, he'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth, follow evil. There's going to be wrath and anger. This is what our other brothers, the Russian Orthodox priests are saying. They're calling their people to judgment, saying there'll be judgment if we reject the truth of what's going on. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. The writer's trying to communicate something of the truth of the gospel, but the church isn't understanding it. You no longer try to understand it. And I picked the translation that was nice. The, the original wording actually basically says you're so spiritually dull and stupid that you're not getting it. But I'm trying to be nice. I'm working on it. Instead it says, make it clear because you no longer try to understand because you're too spiritually dull and stupid is what it says. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. There are some of you in this room or on the live stream that have just begun to follow Christ, and you're like a newborn baby, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you're sucking up milk, and you're just kind of gurgling and pooping and doing all sorts of things that babies do. And some of that's ugly and nasty, and some of that's good stuff, whatever. But there's others of you who accepted Christ decades ago, and you're still not cleaning up after yourself. And you're still sucking on milk. 
And this is what he's addressing here. He says, you no longer even try to understand. Because you just, we've got this point, we're just going to settle. We can't figure anything out. We're going to stay here. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. But instead, you need someone to teach you still the elementary truths of God's word. The reality is that there should be something in us that, that is supposed to be growing in truth. That's supposed to be taking what we learn in these moments of time and integrating into our lives, letting it be transformational in who we are, and so that we're different from day to day in the process as we go close to God. Prince Caspian, it's one of the books in the Narnia Chronicles that C.S. Lewis wrote. And these children have been thrust into this magical world uh, on occasions from our own world um, where Aslan, this, the, the son of the emperor across the sea, this great lion who is a Christ figure, um, interacts with them. And, and there's some powerful stories. And so in this one of the Prince Caspian, they've been gone for a long time. They come back to find a lot of things changed. And as they're working their way through the woods and through everything else to go and help Prince Caspian and, and part of the storyline, Lucy, the youngest of the four uh, kids, notices Aslan from a distance and is pretty sure that's who he is, but, but nobody else will follow with her, so they keep going the wrong direction. And then at night, at one point in time, um, she wakes up and is drawn to, to the woods again, and she sees, and there's Aslan. And they have this wonderful moment of, of reconnecting. And then Lucy makes this statement that's always stuck out to me. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. You see, as we grow up, we get bigger. And so naturally, Lucy said, you're bigger, so you must have grown. No, God is unchanging. Aslan has stayed the same. What's happened, though, is Lucy has grown in faith, and she's grown spiritually so that she sees more of who God is. So one of the questions I'd have for you this morning, among so many others I'd offer you today, is has God gotten bigger in your eyes in this last year or smaller? Are you growing in your faith and in your understanding of who he is, that he has gotten larger like Aslan has for Lucy, or has he stayed the same, or worse comes to worse, has actually gotten smaller in the process? Are you still sucking milk and, and, and not cleaning up after yourself? Again, there's a point in time where that's legitimate, but there's a point in time where that needs to stop. There's a point in time where you need to take responsibility for your faith, where you need to pursue the truth, where you need to deny the lies that are out there and stand for what is right. That before you retweet or resend some item on your thing, that you research what that's about. I want to share this a ways back. I'll share it now real quickly. Elvis, at one point in time, had a good friend in Memphis who owned a, a steakhouse. And the good friend that owned the steakhouse thought it would be funny and clever to have a, a look-alike contest, an Elvis look-alike contest, after Elvis got famous. Elvis thought it was cool, and he thought it was so clever that he thought, I'm going to incognito be a part of that. So he jumps into the mix. He sings, Love Me Tender. And he lost. He comes in third. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? I didn't share that with you because it's not true. It's widely spread and disseminated, and you'll find it in a lot of different places. But if you really research, get down to it. And before I share something with you, I want to make sure it's really true. And I researched it, and it's not true. Now, what is true is that Charlie Chaplin, anybody remember him? He actually did enter a look-like contest for Elvis. No, for Charlie Chaplin. And he did come in third place. That's true. But the other's not. 
We are in a world that has been deceived and taken over by a dark force, by an enemy who wants to convince you that God's not real, that the conflicts aren't genuine, that, that you're isolated and that you're alone, that truth is a social construct and not a bedrock of, of the foundation of reality, that it's fed propaganda to you and me and all of our world for all of our lives to blur reality and to seduce us and quiet us and put us asleep. But Christ came in the midst of that to penetrate that darkness with truth and to save and restore us. And so I come to this final scripture in Luke chapter 6 where Jesus he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Master? Master. And you don't do what I say. See, this is the same thing he just started off that whole passage. He says, the people believe, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. See, that truth is linked to that, and you'll know the truth and you'll set me free, it'll set you free. It's linked, the truth, to doing what I say, to knowing that there's actual truth, to digging down, researching, grabbing hold of those things. And realizing not everything is a social construct. Time actually exists. And reality is present. Why do you do that and don't do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. What they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house. It could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, who accepts the lies, who, who gets caught in confusion, like a man who built a house in the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. Truth matters. Years ago, I'd come back from our mission in, in Africa. I had a four-hour layover in uh, Paris. Seasoned traveler, I went to check the gate. Yep, gate 43. Tired, exhausted from other things. I went, hung out for a while. Came back again two hours later just to make sure there hadn't been any changes. Nope. Hour and a half before the flight, it's still, hour before the flight or so, hour and a half, it's still gate 43. Go and grabbed a few more things and came back as the line's forming and I hate sitting on the plane so I'm waiting the last minute I'm getting on the, with the long line there and I'm going through and I'm getting ready to board the plane they check my passport and they says this is not your flight I'm like what? looked up and they changed the flight they changed the location of my gate in the last 45 minutes to an hour ironically if I got on the plane I would have ended up in Moscow so now I'm running across the airport I, I'm getting on a tram to catch this way. I have to catch another little minibus to go this way. I have to run across the tarmac, and I barely get on the plane before they close the door. Don't tell me the truth doesn't matter. It matters. And if you're in the process of reconstructing your faith, if you're on the process of doing that, you need a foundation. That foundation is the Word of God. There is a truth with that. And you need to take the time to dig deeply into that. Maybe it's taking a Detroit Bible Institute course. Maybe it's continuing to commit yourself to this. Maybe it's a Bible app that, that will read you out. They'll do that today, even a passage of Scripture every day. But you need to dig deep into that and lay that foundation down, or you're going to be swept away by whatever comes along, and you're always going to be prone to the lies that are always being told to us. 
That's not what you were called for. It's not what you're called to. You were called to be something else by a God who knows you intimately and sent his own son to restore and redeem you and me both. So this morning, in this moment, gather with me for a second. Father, we come before you. We have been deceived so often we don't know what's true or not anymore at times. We are babies that have just not grown up and and we're still sucking milk. But Lord, there's something that, that we recognize of the truth of your word today. And I pray, Lord, that as your word just touches our hearts and minds, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would draw us into an understanding, that we wouldn't be like these people who listened to you that were so spiritual, but, but their father was not God. That this morning we would turn to our father, that we'd ask your Holy Spirit of truth just to come and show us that we'd be discerning people, not just in our own spiritual lives, but, but politically and, 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 and socially, that we'd have an understanding, Lord, as we draw deeper into your truth to know what is counterfeit and what is not true. So I'm asking, Lord, that you would let our foundations go deep. Let those of us that have been babies start to grow up this morning in this place and time come meet with us change and transform us I pray all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand short homework assignment for you today somewhere tomorrow this week sit down somewhere quietly before the Lord and identify with the help of his Holy Spirit three lies that, that you have been told that have affected you. Three lies that you need to address that have been told. And you can identify them. Let him identify those for you. And then three truths that you really stand on. And after you've identified those lies, you come against them, set them aside, and then focus on those three truths for the remainder of the week and the remainder of the time. We have just a day or just a, a, a one or two more left in the series. And then, believe it or not, we're set up for Easter. And uh, Christmas is around the corner. So. <laughs> the altar is available for prayer afterwards, and there will be those up here if you want to stay and linger for a moment. But let's just pray together. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we are in a dark and deceptive world that is ruled by powers that are... are opposite and antithetical to you, but we are your people. We are your church. We are the ones that have been called out, not by our own brightness or ability, but by your Holy Spirit. Any righteousness we have comes from you and not from ourselves. So I pray, Lord, that you really sensitize us to the counterfeit and to the lies that are out there so that we can stand against those, but make us even more drawn to your truth in integrating that into our lives. We pray, Lord, for the people of Ukraine that this thing would end the brutality would stop. I pray, Lord, for the people in Russia who have been deceived so deeply that there'd be some restoration eventually in time there. But I pray for us as a people, Lord, that despite all the changes that are going on, all the sweeping things that are happening, that we would not be caught up with the swirl of everything happening, but we would stand firmly upon the rock of truth that is you and your word in the midst of anything else that would come against us. Guide us in these things, we pray. And your church said amen. amen. God bless you guys.